Taylor. And we're and the Barclays. We're the Barclays. That's right. We were a little dissonant this time because we <laughs> are apart this week. It has been a heck of a week for the Barclays. So we Taylor's in his car out at a conference. I'm at home. And we have a guest this week. So we are recording all from three different locations. Uh, we are really excited that we have Vance Ginn of Ginn Economic Consulting uh, with us. He is going to give us a little preview or overview of what's going on in the economy right now. Are we in a recession? What does that mean if we are in a recession? Uh, we thought it's a really timely update since this is kind of at the core of what the midterm elections are about this year. And people are kind of feeling maybe a little anxious about what's going on in the economy. So he's going to give us a great overview. Vance's background, he was the former associate director for economic policy for the Office of Management and Budget at the executive office of the president. So he worked in the White House from 2019 to 2020. And he is currently the chief economist at the Pelican Institute for Public Policy in Louisiana, as well as a senior fellow at a number of institutions, including Americans for Tax Reform, Texas Public Policy Foundation, Beacon Center in Tennessee, and a number of other places. So he's a very busy guy and formerly was the chief economist at Texas Public Policy Foundation. And he lives in Texas with his wife and three kiddos. So Vance, did I, oh, did I miss anything? Tell people where to find you as well. Yeah, no, it, it's a pleasure with you, uh, Rachel and Taylor. And no, you did a great job. Um, you can find me at vancegin.com. Um, or on Twitter. I'm always on Twitter tweeting <laughs> about the economy and things of that nature. And I have a Substack um, newsletter. So vancegian.substack.com. And your own podcast, right? Let People Prosper. Yes. That's right. Let People Prosper. That's great. So everyone, if you love Vance's takes after this podcast, you can sign up for all of that on his website, vancegian.com. And Gin is spelled G-I-N-N. That's right. I love I love the title of the was it the newsletter or podcast Let People Prosper. I think it matches with like what Rachel and I want to do here too of like provide a what, relentlessly optimistic take. Rachel, is that our new new tagline? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it works. It, it works in a lot of ways too. Because in in my view, it's not just like material prosperity, right? It, it it's yeah. also about um, intellectual, spiritual, psychological social i mean there's a lot of things you can think about in prosperity that's not just not material things right because that's only one aspect you can be um very uh impoverished in so many other areas even if you have money and riches you know yeah exactly so speaking of money and riches there's this talk of like there's so many things going on in the economy globally uh in america what is happening, Vance? Are we in a recession? Are we not in a recession? There's a lot of mixed signals out there with, with you know, low unemployment, but then, you know, stocks taking a dive and we can just go on and on. So what, what's your take on what's happening? I mean, you're right, Taylor. There are a lot of mixed signals out there. And um, I think it's important to look at the past and see what those definitions of recessions have been. And if you look at every recession that's happened since 1950, so we're talking about you know, quite a few, more than 10. I think there are about 12 recessions over that period. Um, every time that there have been two consecutive quarters of declining economic output. So this is inflation adjusted, the entire economy's economic 
output have declined for two straight quarters has been defined as a recession. And we had that in the first two quarters of 2022. We had negative 1.6% in the first quarter, negative uh, 6.6% in the second quarter. So to me, that's a recession. And when you look at a lot of the other economic indicators, we have seen that people are suffering um, and having a lot of other economic problems in their in their finances. Um, there was another number came out just here recently of the third quarter GDP, so gross domestic product, which is the measure of economic output across the United States, um, was up 2.6% in the in the in the third quarter that just passed. Um, but if you if we would have had just as high of inflation as we had the last three quarters, that quarter would have also been negative. So it's just that inflation came down a little bit because oil and gas was down in the third quarter. Well, that's back up. So let's see what happens in the fourth quarter. And I was doing some research on this recently as well to prepare prepare for this show. And when you look at all the recessions, basically the last 12 recessions, some of those recessions have also had one quarter of positive or increasing economic output, but then they went back down. So we have to be careful to say, okay, the recession's over. It could be that we just bounce back up from a low and then it goes back down again, especially with inflation running mm-hmm. as fast as it is. I mean, we've all seen how fast gas prices are going up. They've went down a little bit, but they're, they've started to come back up. Um, food prices. Right. I mean, you go to the supermarket, it seems like food's going up every time we go back. Uh, and if you measure it across the United States, it's up 13% to buy food at home, 13%. No one's wages are going up by 13% year over year. And so people just can't keep up. So, I mean, I think, yes, we're in a recession nationally. Um, Some states are doing better than others, like Texas, like where I'm at. Um, But even there, they are struggling as well. So I think that we are in a recession and it's going to be longer and and deeper than what many are saying, uh, just given how much that there was this boom period, quote unquote, boom period, uh, where government just throwing a lot of money at the problems. And that eventually busts. It starts to go away. Is there like an element of uh, just... (laughs) Like seems like two thousand eight, nine. It's like, oh yeah, we're in a recession, and everyone's sort of on the same page. But now, it doesn't seem to be the case. Is that because there's some like decent bright spots and upticks, and it's like less all downhill downside? Is that the reason there's some confusion? Yeah, I think there's some to that, Taylor. I mean, uh, honestly, part of it I think is also politics. Um, uh, sure. <laughs> a, a lot uh, there. There's a lot more progressive economists that are out there that are talking in the news, and so they want to talk things up. And they don't want to consider it to be a recession. Um, but the other point that you made about the labor market, I mean, look, the unemployment rate's 3.5%. So it's historically very low. So that makes it look like things are pretty good for people. And, and, yeah. and you know, some can champion that and say, look, the, the labor market is really strong. So how can we be in a recession? Well, you can't just look at one indicator of the labor market. The labor force participation rate is still about a percentage point below where it was in February of 2020 before the shutdowns and, you know, the pandemic and everything else started. Um, so there's uh, one indication. Um, the prime age, the 25 to 54 year olds, that's not quite back up to where it was before. Um, but even with those numbers, we've had a lot of people that just dropped out of the labor force. So if you drop out of the labor force, that artificially brings those numbers down. Right. Because if you have if you have um, three out of four, 75 percent. And then one person drops out, that goes down to two out of three. Now it's 67%. Just the fraction itself goes down as people drop out of the labor force. I wouldn't consider that to be that we're in a better economic situation for people if they're dropping out. Um, And one of the numbers I just saw um, earlier today was that 
during the handing all the uh, checks that were sent out, the stimulus, quote unquote, stimulus checks yeah. and yeah. unemployment benefit plus subs and all of that um, by the federal government, there was an increase of um, $2.2 trillion in excess savings, me- meaning that people just kept that money in savings. Well, they've went through about $1.7 trillion of that of the last year. So that means there's still $1.5 trillion of excess savings. So what does that mean to people that, you know listening? It means that a lot of people still have a lot of savings that they just banked uh-huh. away for a while. They're living off of that. And so they don't have to go back to work yet. And I think that that's going to turn around here pretty soon. And at the same time, when the economy is slowing down, that, that could be even more disruptive situation for the overall labor market. And the last thing there is just the labor market is a lagging indicator anyway. Despite what the left wants us mm-hmm. to believe, employers aren't some, um, uh, some folks that just want to fire people as soon as possible. They care about their employees. They don't want to have to rehire people, right? So they may um, cut some of their hours so they don't have to fire them. They may cut some of their production first. And so the labor market, any sort of firing happens months later. And even during the 08, 09 recession, it took about a year before the recession was even declared. So so all these, there's lagging indicators in there. So Vance, you're you're talking about people working, not working, and all these different kind of federal numbers that track that. Um, so when you when you talked about people dropping out of the workforce, those are people who are not even counted in the unemployment rate, correct? So it's people who have stopped looking for work so that, what do you say, 3.6% unemployment? 3.5, yeah. 3.5% is not counting people who just aren't even looking for work. And as you said, right. there's this kind of excess of savings from all of the stimulus checks and child tax credit and whatnot. So people have kind of this cushion and maybe aren't working right now and will quickly run out of that money as it dries up over the coming months. So um, what what does that mean if we have kind of this large amount of people who are not working out of work, but running out of money? What what does that look like? What would you project for the country as a whole? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that, that we know, and Rachel, we've been working on this for a while too, um, with the Alliance for Opportunity, is that work really brings about dignity and purpose and hope. And the thing with people not working um, in, on the sidelines now is they're not getting that. In fact, they're getting more dependency on government. They're getting more depression and we've seen that with a number of indicators that are out there. Um, and that is not just a short-term effect. That can have longer-term effects. And one of the ways as an economist that we see that is through productivity measures. When people are on the sidelines and not working, they lose you know, time on their, on their resume to say that they were working at this place, right? And they also lose some of those skills that they may have had while they were working. So so their productivity starts to decline. So when they start to go back to the labor market and start to look for a job and they go to these employers and they show them their resume, um, let's say you 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 weren't out of the labor market and, and I was, I was out for a year, you were out for two months, which one of these people are, are the employer likely to hire? They're likely to hire you because you weren't out as long, you know? And so this is going to also affect them when they do go back in the labor market, which is going to make it a longer term issue um, for many of these people that, that I think, you know, will be unfortunate. I mean, a lot. And look, one thing I should say here, just to make sure that we're clear, is some people just did decide to, you know, we can live off of just one parent's income. 
And that's not, I'm not talking about that. That's not necessarily a bad thing. If someone's staying home with the kids or something else, that could be best for that family. They got to do what's in their best, unique desi- um, um, situations. Mm. But the but the issue is, is whenever they decide, you know what, I'm just not going to work because I'm going to live off of, of these these excess savings that were handouts from, you know, safety nets from the government. That That's a whole different situation that has longer term effects. And-, and I will make a plug, Vance, since you mentioned Vance and I work on a project called the Alliance for Opportunity. Allianceforopportunity.com is our website. And uh, we have a whole body of work on how to help people return to work, get back to work and um, some safety net reform as well. Um, but yeah, one of the kind of thesis of this project is that work brings about all these other benefits, social benefits. Um, there are in correlation incidences of people not being on, you know, not having substance abuse or having better marriages and all sorts of social impacts of work beyond just a paycheck. Improving crime rates, uh, mm-hmm. incarceration rates, things of that nature. Yeah, it's a great project. We recommend everyone look it up. I think so. So Vance, you talked about, you know, the unemployment rate, and labor force participation rate. I remember when someone told me the differences between those, it was like a whole new world because I think if like for for tracking, like say political issues at a service level, it's all about the unemployment number, unemployment number, unemployment number. But then the labor force participation rate, uh, which is tracking the number of people actively looking for work. Is that like historically like zoom out to 50 years? Is that just straight, uh, I guess, what down or is it other peaks and valleys? Like give us some perspective on that labor force participation rate. And And just tell us like why it's important. Yeah, no, it's a great point, Taylor. I mean, so the unemployment rate, I actually don't think it's a very good indicator at all. I mean, it, it's something that's out there. But, <laughs> but everyone not talks much... about it, Vance. <laughs> I, I know, I know. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but but there's, there, there's so much that's lacking, right? Like I was saying earlier, I mean, you could have people just dropping out of the labor force and um, but because they can't find jobs, they get tired of looking. The, maybe we should start with this, right? The way that, that it's calculated is by the Bureau of Labor Statistics. And they do a survey okay. of 60,000 households across the United States, ask them a number of questions. Um, are you over the age of 16? Um, are, you know, are you retired? Are, are you working? Um, are you working part-time or full-time? Um, have you looked for work in the last four weeks? That's a big question mm. because if you haven't looked, if you looked within the last four weeks, then you're still mm-hmm. connected to the labor force. But if you haven't, uh, then you then you drop out of the labor force. So you're not part of these okay. calculations at all. So whenever people were shut down for a month, six weeks, they really had stopped looking. A lot of those people dropped out of the labor force entirely, and then they didn't come back up. So they weren't shown in the uh, – they weren't calculated in the unemployment rate, and they wouldn't be calculated in the labor force. Well, the labor force participation rate, how is that calculated? That's the labor force, so people that are you know, um, employed or unemployed, divided by the working age population. So it's uh, 16 okay. – to like, you know, 65, let's say that's the working age population. Um, if you're part of that, then you would be counted in the labor force participation rate. So it's a better measure than the unemployment rate, because if you drop out of the labor force, you're not counting that at all, whereas you would be in the labor force participation rate. And what we saw over time, right, is that the labor force participation rate was going up and up. Um, 
Uh, it started to flatline a little bit. Then they had the 1960s, um, where a lot more women started to join the labor force after that. Mm. And so that increased the labor force participation rate even higher over time. Um, then you started to see that some some men started to drop out, out uh, of the labor force. Maybe the woman became the um, head of household there, and so they didn't need to work or whatever the reasons may be. You know, the the the, the male labor force participation uh-huh. rate started to flatline and even come down a little bit. Um, and, and now that's kind of stagnated. Um, and so uh-huh. we're still about a percentage point below where we were in February of 2020, which represents about 3 million uh-huh. people. Wow. About 3 million wow. people are still not in the labor force compared to then, which wow. is the reason why we have these labor shortages, right? Why a lot of restaurants can't find, I mean, we see help wanted. Um, it's still going on, you know, two plus years after the shutdown or the initial shutdown. Some places stayed shut down longer than others. Um, and, and, you know, even getting into that part, there's going to be a lot of longer term effects of the shutdowns, right? Not only in the labor market and the productivity and the economic activity over time. Just think about all the entrepreneurs that were pushed out that didn't want the, the 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 paycheck protection program, you know, those loans um, or mm. couldn't get them. Right. Um, you put a lot of those into entrepreneurs out of business that we could have had a lot more flourishing and investments that could have happened over time. Not to even get into the the schools that were shut down and the effects that that's going to have on students learning um, their economic potential. I know I don't like to just put everything right. in economic terms, but it but it but it does matter in a lot of these ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, uh, so are we labor force participation rate down half a point since 2020? How does that compare to like 10 years ago, 30 years ago? Is it, is it so flat? it's about, so it's about a percentage point, not at a half point, but a percentage point below percentage point. Oh, um, okay. Got it. Yep. Yep. So it's, 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 um, you usually do see a dip during recessions, right? But not as large, not as stark as the dip that we saw during, um, this this recession, especially okay. from the shutdowns and everything else. So so let's start there too. Is there was a defined recession uh, during the shutdowns, so of March and uh, April of 2020. Uh, okay, there was a substantial decline in economic out- output. 22 million jobs were lost just in those two months. The unemployment rate went from 3.5 percent to 14.7 percent. <laughs> You'd have to go all the wow. way back to the Great Depression to find that sort that. of unemployment yeah. rate. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but the labor force also that you know that went down. Employment to population ratio, you know, that went down as well. So it was across the board a lot of indicators. And you know, going back to this idea of whether or not this is a recession that we're in today, you know, they didn't date that recession of 2020 until a year later. When we could clearly see oh, that we were wow. in a recession, huh. you okay. know, and, and, and so there's a lot of these indicators that, you know, people like to hide behind and say, well, it's what about this variable? What about that variable? Well, let's actually see how people are doing on the ground. And I think when you ask most people, they feel like we're in a recession. Hmm. Vance, how does, you know, we we see headlines and feel it in, you know, your own 401k, the stock market um, taking lots of dips this year. How does that play into a recession? Yeah, so that that definitely has an uh, an effect on it, and especially how people feel on consumer surveys and things of that nature. Um, the The stock market should always be a forward looking indicator. It should tell you what where the economy is going to be in six months, it, it, because those are all prices. And as an economist, you know that's one of the biggest things about a capitalistic sort of system is that you need prices to indicate to us what's going on in the economy and whether or not we want to buy or consume or, or, or sell things along the way. It, it really helps to regulate the economy without government needing to regulate it. 
There are natural regulators in the economy. It's called prices. It's called market activity that's going on. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people try to dehumanize economics, but economics really is about the study of human action, our, our action and, and our interaction to satisfy our desires within institutions given scarce resources. So it's not just the stock market or money or something else. The only reason why economists talk about that is because people do the exchanging. We're trying to understand why people do these things. And mm. there's always these opportunity costs. And so when people start going in the stock market and pulling money out, it's an indication that they think that the forward looking profitability of those firms is going down. Like the economy is going down, demand's going to go down. And so why would I want to be invested in those firms anymore? So they start pulling the money out. Um, and we've been seeing that. I mean, look, the stock market has been down by about 20% um, just this year, and which is considered a bear market. And, and so there's probably some more room to go. The Federal Reserve has been raising their target interest rates from about zero to 0.25% not too long ago. So now it's three to 3.25%. Um, and mortgage rates are above 7% now on average across the United States. That's more than twice as high of what it was just a year ago, um, nice. which means mortgage payments per month are up 40%. Wow. 40%. And, and so um, the demand for housing is also down. Um, those mortgage rates, by the way, are now at 20-year highs. So, wow. you know, the audience is, is, I think they can start to see the effects of what's going on all around us. You know, a lot of times people would say that deficits don't matter, like budget deficits, the amount of spending versus revenue that Congress has. Uh, and, and sometimes they'll look at inflation and see inflation is only 2%. What's, what's the cost of this? <laughs> We're seeing the real cost now. Right. Yes. We had massive deficits of more than seven trillion dollars over two and a half years. Um, and the Federal Reserve printed about uh, four trillion, uh, almost five trillion dollars of that. And it's got to go in the economy. And it all comes down at the end of the day to higher prices and inflation that's all around us. Well, I like that you gave a plug that economists care about people, too. Uh, <laughs> yes. A good plug for your field. Um, <laughs> so as we're you know, that was a great overall overview. I'm feeling a little anxious about, you know, even though Taylor and I say we're radical optimists that inflation's way <laughs> up, that we have these labor yeah. force issues, that we're in a recession, uh, stock market, bear market. Um, so what what does this mean for the average person? You know, how how do you prepare your family? What what is what does this look like? Yeah. And, and I should say, like, I, I'm an optimistic economist, which is kind of an oxymoron that doesn't usually go together. Because <laughs> as you all know, I'm a, I'm a happy go lucky guy most of the time. And it's tough That's sometimes true. to think That's about. True. Yeah. So sometimes it's, it's tough to think about like the recession and, you know, I, I go on Fox Business or something and talking about all this negative news. I don't, I don't want to talk about this, but it's important for us to be realistic. Mm -hmm. about what's going on in the economy. And I honestly think it should be no matter if there's a Democrat as president like today or Republican, um, like like Trump, the administration that I worked in, is we need to be honest about what the situation is instead of the politics that often gets in, that goes into play. Um, but for me and my own family, I mean, I just try to make sure that I have savings, right? I mean, I, I follow a lot of the good Dave Ramsey sort of method back in the day is, you know, you you make sure you pay down as much debt as you can, have, have savings, have money for a rainy day that can cover, you know, four to six months. You never know what can happen in, in your life and in your family and what's all going to go on. I mean, I know y'all have had your own challenges in the past, you know, and mm -hmm. um, and many blessings along the way. And I think we, we got to make sure that we um, 
don't don't count those blessings and then don't prepare for the next situation. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we always learn from our situations and, and things won't happen the same way as they do in the past. But it, it's a lot of times history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes, right? Mm-hmm. And so even in our own lives, there's some rhyming that happens and we got we gotta prepare for it. And I, I think, you know, I know we want to talk some about Christianity and in the Bible and 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 I think that um, Jesus' teachings also wanted us to continue to pray, right? And and make sure that mm-hmm. we have some habits that are getting us going. And I think that's also in our own financial life and allowing mm-hmm. for personal responsibility um, so that we can be set up for success to do the things that God wants us to do with the callings and the gifts that he's given us. That's a great word. Yeah, that was our our next, our kind of closing question is how should Christians think about this? And so you kind of just mentioned um stewardship and preparation and how do you think about i mean i i know this is a when when we think about our family finances and this stewardship and balance with trusting god for the future um what what does that look like uh for you and you know trusting that god has the future and i i just think it's it's always a tough balance for me on mm-hmm. you know worrying about do we have enough saved to weather you know a, a medical disaster as we have or um you know a layoff or something like that or for like uh i'm thinking of people maybe who don't even have opportunity to save they're living paycheck to paycheck or you know i've been zeroed out across the board maybe like what would you say how my Christians think about people in all those positions? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, I think God works in mysterious ways, <laughs> right? <laughs> that, we, that, that, that yeah. our limited knowledge. Um, I know Hayek, like one of my favorite comments, uh, Hayek talked about the knowledge problem, which is more um, humanly formed kind of in, in our sense where a group of people don't have as much knowledge as the marketplace, but we, the marketplace, us, we don't have as much knowledge as God. So we don't know exactly what's going to happen in the future. And so I think that's why it's so important for us to be good stewards of our money, good, be good stewards of the earth that he created, be good stewards of the things that's going on here. And, you know, I believe strongly that that mm. happens through liberty and free enterprise. And if you look at the human history, that's really been the way that more flourishing has happened. If you just look at mm. capitalism, this is a pretty new phenomenon throughout human history, the amount yes. of um, flourishing and prosperity that we've been able to have. And I, I think it's it's a part of that that process. And some may say, well, I'm trying to preach, quote unquote, the prosperity um, gospel. That That's not I, w- I wouldn't say that. Um, I, I believe that God created us to flourish. Why, mm. why would he not want us to create something and then not flourish in what he created? Uh, that, that doesn't make huh. sense to me. Uh, and, and so whenever I look at my own life, right, like, I mean, I, I had my own challenges, grew up low income. Um, my dad had epilepsy. So I saw him have a lot of seizures wow. growing up. Um, wow. I went to private school from kindergarten to second grade, public school from third grade to sixth grade, homeschool from seventh grade through 12th grade, um, and played for a rock band. I was a drummer for a number of years, living like the rock star life. We'll just kind of leave it, leave it right there. But, but I was wow. not living in a good direction at all. And um, got in a really serious car accident, May 25th, 2002, rolled six times, um, ended up being lifelighted at Herman mm. Hospital in, in Houston. Um, and, you know, by the grace of God, I went home that night. Like I had wow. a few issues. Um, they sent me lifelike because they thought I had a head injury and, and maybe I did. And that's why I went to get a PhD in economics <laughs> 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 later on. But, you know, I had some time to think about like where my life was heading after that for about a month with bruises and everything. And um, wow. I, I really felt like God's calling my life was to let people prosper. And I had just taken my first class in economics and I felt like that was, that explained how the world works so much that I got hooked. And um, instead huh. of, 
you know, being hooked on drugs or alcohol or other things. I got hooked on learning and, and, and being closer to God. And, and that's what took me on the path to getting a PhD in economics, you know, working, I worked in academia for a couple of years. Um, then I was like, now nah, this isn't for me. So that's how I went to the Texas Public Policy Foundation, got to work at the White House. I mean, I never knew all of those things were happening and blessed to have kids and doing the things that I do now. And, and so throughout all of that, God worked in mysterious ways so that I could be able to transition and be even stronger and to improve and build. You know, something I do every year mm. is I, come, I, I I pray a lot about it, ask Holy Spirit, hey, what's my word for the year? Mm. And my word this year was build. Huh. Um, and just huh. to be honest with you, I mean, my, the first part, half of this year, I felt broken. Mm. Uh, my mom died. Uh, mm -hmm. Our baby was born, had a lot of sicknesses. There was a lot of things that were going on. And um, but the second half of the year, I've been able to start building the building coming back, you mm -hmm. know, and, wow. and, and even That's with cool. those troubles, we've got to make sure that we, we understand and continue to uh, foster the testimony that we have in our lives. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and that's, that's why I've also, you know, enjoyed watching y'all. I mean, I think y'all have such a great testimony to, to tell, and we're glad, I'm glad that y'all are doing this, this podcast. The great word Vance and yeah. Yeah, something it's, I know you had a tough first part of the year and your whole life, you know, you've, you've faced adversity and suffering, um, but you are such still an optimist and um, seeking, you know, what uh, to build and um, help other people prosper with your, your life's work. Um, just, yeah, the thing that throughout our, our trials is that this it's not mutually exclusive that like you're only suffering or you're only prospering. You know, sometimes we mm -hmm. are living through that grief right. or right. through that pain. And at the same time, you can still live in, you know, yeah. the flourishing kingdom of God when that grief is happening. And those two things aren't, um, you're not living in one world or the other. And I think you do a really good job of that, of in, in your whole story, you know, just, being able to hold the grief in yeah. one hand, but still seek out the goodness of God at the same time. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. It, it, and you're right. It, it's tough. I mean, it's a, it's a struggle. It, it's, it's, it's not easy uh, <laughs> each and every day, but you got, you got to keep working, working forward. And I think, you know, maybe tying this back in, you know, some of the recession is that that's what people need to have hope in is mm -hmm. that things will improve. Um, this is a tough situation that we're in now. I, I, I could tie it up to a lot of policies and get into some of the, the deeper <laughs> issues of what's going on and how, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that in the new year, we're going to have a new Congress and some folks that will make some big changes. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it comes down to people doing what's best for their family. And mm -hmm. trying to make things better overall, um, you know, it's it's one of the reasons why I, I'm such a big fan of limiting government. Government shouldn't have this much influence on our lives. Mm -hmm. Government shouldn't have this much influence on our jobs and everything else throughout our economy. I mean, I would love it to where we weren't worried about what the Federal Reserve is going to do. I mean, ultimately, we need to end the Fed. But uh, <laughs> hey, um, hey yeah, yeah. And, and, and Congress needs spending limits and stuff like that. But but it's it's unfortunate that you see this the situation where they do have so much influence on our lives. And it's one of the reasons why I think we're all in public policy trying to help people to be better off right. and remove those barriers so that way people can, you know, let people prosper <laughs> overall. <laughs> That's great. Oh, That's a Thanks good so word much to for end sharing, on. Vance. Yeah, okay. that was excellent. Thank you, Vance. That's Thank y'all.
We'll end with our favorite segment, Stinkers and Thinkers. Um, Vance was good, too. I mean, we, Vance is a favorite, too, Rachel, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. Yes, yeah. Vance was our best segment, of course. But, you know, our favorite part of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll start with our stinkers first. Uh, I'll go Taylor first. What is your stinker? Oh, um. I, I listened to like 10 minutes of uh, this Lex Friedman podcast interview with uh, Kanye West or Ye, as he goes by now. And <laughs> is I'll it Ye or Ye? Ten- I don't even know. Yeah. Uh, the I don't host know pronounced it Ye. Okay. Um, as in like Kanye. Uh, I see. And, you know, that makes sense. Kanye, Kanye said anti-Semitic things, like radically anti-Semitic things on Twitter and elsewhere. And I wanted to like hear him explain it but i only made it about 10 minutes in the interview because he had contradicted himself like 50 times <laughs> and i don't know i guess in my mind i'd had him like you know he was influential in the music scene and when i was in college and i was just hoping for better but i i think he's just like for me just off the list like you tell me he's not a me. philosopher king I don't yeah <laughs> no it was it was it was painful Oof. and it was just crazy it was wow. just wacky. wow and like he was interviewed for two hours on this podcast and Ooh. Only made it about ten minutes in. I wow. couldn't take it. Yikes! So many contradictions. That's tough. Vance, what is your stinker? Um. So, and this could be anything, right? Like movies or books or podcasts, right? right? Yeah. Okay. My, my stinker, and and um, my wife and I, we don't get to go on too many dates now with three kids and the young one six months, but <laughs> we recently went on a date. It was awesome, nice. and we went and watched Halloween Ends. And I just thought it was horrible. I mean, I'm not really a huge fan of those types of shows anyway. All the other shows were like, we don't really want to watch any of those. So let's just watch Wait, this what, one. What is it? What is this show? So like Halloween. So, so um, like Jason with, with oh, the big knife. The horror. Oh, yeah, okay. the horror movie. It's like a scare, you know, it's a Halloween type movie. Uh-huh. And yeah, uh, yeah. Well, Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis is in there. She's still in there. Wow. And, and I, don't, I don't even know how many this is now. It may be like 10 Halloween shows, but that was the one we went and watched. And um, it, it was cheesy. I mean, it was it was just bad. Uh, but you try to see the bright th- bright times, right? And, and my wife and I had a good time together. So that was good. <laughs> you know, we know how it is. A date is a date. And it's yes. great just to be yep. out no matter what you're doing. <laughs> That's right. Yep. That's right. Rachel, what's your stinker? My stinker. This is real controversial, y'all. It's the new Taylor Swift album. Oh. It, oh. And. I could barely get, I don't, I, I couldn't actually even finish it. And I know uh, that I'm going to have a lot of haters for this out there. So a lot of people loved it, but I just found her like, I don't know from the outside, her life should be pretty good. Right. She's like super famous, super rich, hot boyfriend, yeah. all this stuff, you know, everything you could possibly want. I think she's my age as a 33 year old woman. And yeah. yet it's like, talking about how terrible her life is and all this navel gazing and <laughs> like step back and see how great your life is. I don't know. I mean, yeah. not to minimize mental health struggles out there, but it just, um, yeah, I was like, your life's great. This should be yeah. a much happier album. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's rough. <laughs> yes. All right. So now the fun part thinkers I'll go first. My thinker okay. is I've, discovered Kate C. Bowler. She um, Hmm. had a terrible diagnosis of um, cancer when she had an 18 month old and 
she wrote this book, Everything Happens for a Reason. And she um, she's actually a PhD. She's written about the and studied the prosperity gospel at Duke Divinity mm. School um, and kind of started writing and speaking about suffering and the meaning of suffering and that we can't we can't explain why suffering happens and these kind of trite everything happens for a reason mm. statements. Um, I've just found her work has really resonated with my experience and um, I enjoy her podcast. She has lots of um, interesting people she interviews um, and her, yeah, her book was a really quick read. So I've enjoyed her perspective. Nice. So, so good. What was the name of the book again? Everything happens for a reason. Okay. It's kind of like a play because she doesn't believe that. But yeah. <laughs> and it was like other funny, other trite sayings that I don't agree with, something like that. But it's very, well, it people very say good. that. People say that all the time, though, right? That oh, everything yeah. happens for a reason. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. It's this, you know, that totally. we want to find a silver lining and everything, which, you know, we can't always explain why, you know, bad things happen to good people or, you know, really tough suffering happens. There's just sometimes there is an explanation. Yeah. Um, that's true. Yeah. Vance, what's your thinker? So my thinker is a, a good book that I just read called The Next American Economy. Y'all oh, might expect it would be something economics. Kindle. Yeah, yeah, uh, by Samuel Gregg, who's yeah. at American Institute for Economic Research. Um, he, I also just interviewed him for my podcast that'll be out on oh. November 8th. Um, oh. So a little plug for the Let People Prosper show. But, hey. it, is, but, it, but it is a really good book. Um, and I like how he goes into kind of the history of America. He really starts with America's founding of how, mm. you know, we were supposed to be more liberty oriented and allow the entrepreneur to succeed and, and then kind of takes account of how that has been dwindled, dwindled or hampered over time by, by government kind of getting in the way more and more. And we've turned into much more of a socialist economy when you think about healthcare, 65 cents out of every dollar is spent by the government, meaning taxpayers. Wow. You know, wow. 90 cents out of every dollar in education is spent by the taxpayer, not by the private market. Wow. Manufacturing is dominated a lot by government influence and, the you know, and tax breaks and subsidies and everything else. And, um, and, and he talks some about how this gets into the whole like national conservatism sort of approach um, of, of sometimes get, saying, OK, here's here's a problem, which I think a lot of us on the right would agree would be the problem. Uh, but then they'll try to come in with a government solution. Mm -hmm. And at least in my view, uh, the, you should try to get rid of the government problem first, because then the government tends to exacerbate that problem. He goes through a lot of those, the history mm -hmm. of that. Um, so the next American economy is, is what it is, what it is. And um, it'll be on the podcast on, on November 8th. That sounds great. Thanks, Vance. Well, that's good. Oh, good yeah. plug for your podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I'll be yes. sure to give it a listen. <laughs> Yeah. He's, he's great. Yeah, he uh, Taylor, you're a thinker. thinker. Yeah, uh, is another book uh, called Reengineering Humanity by huh. uh, Brett Fleshman and let me get that correct. Uh, and Evan Selinger. Hmm. Oh, Brett Frischman. Frischman. Brett Frischman and Evan, Evan Selinger, Reengineering Humanity. It's about technology's influence on us. And it's like probably the best tech critique I've read. Um, hmm. And I disagree with, I think, their starting, their assumptions and conclusions, but it really made me think, and it was not, like most tech critique books that you see or hear or listen to are just really shallow, and I just think, like, easily refuted. Um, 
without having to read or think deeply. But this one was the opposite. I think it presented uh, well-researched reason case for, uh, say, like contracting. Like it talks a lot about like how much choice do we have when we click agree or disagree on hmm. using any sort of digital platform? And is do we really actually have uh, consent in that case? Because there's no negotiation. There's no, it's a use it or lose it sort of thing. And um, so I, I, you know, if you're looking, those out there looking for like a real critique of technology, it's, it's a dense read, but uh, it's, it's, it's quite good in, in, in that sense. Well, Taylor, eh. on brand with the tech book. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. You, usually I'm pro-pro tech, so I wanted to give something that's like, here's a good critique. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, it's a, it's a hot topic, right? And then you got uh, Elon yes. Musk, who now at Twitter, yeah. uh, new Today. CEO, or president, Today. or owner. Today. Yeah. yeah. Owner. Yeah. Or uh, Chief Twit is his new title. Yeah. According to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, we'll see. It's an exciting time. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll see what people say now. Like as he starts to break down some of the barriers, will people still be as upset about some of those tech companies uh, because they're getting their way, or or when they want government to intervene more, or 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 whatever? I I hope that's not the case, yeah. but maybe it'll help them to come back a little bit. To more of the free market always side. find something to be mad about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so true. Well, I mean, one, I will say that one critique of this book, they taught, they had like an assertion about like, you know, Facebook will likely remain the dominant social media platform. Nope. Huh? No. Nope. I mean, yeah, <laughs> they've lost six hundred billion dollars of value yeah. just this year, and yeah. like user rates are plummeting. Like, it's just constantly shifting and changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, well, I know it, you could talk yeah. about this all day, but we've got to wrap could. up. all right thanks so much for coming on vance yeah thank y'all for having me it's it's been great thank you vance yeah you were great great overview for everyone and everyone visit vance gin g-i-n-n dot com and sign up for a Substack and his podcast there yes thank you so much thanks vance